You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 673 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and joining me for the first time in a while, um, a recurring guest, I would say, is the best way to put it, Coles Wicker is here. What's up, man? Uh, same old, man. <laughs> like we talked about before the podcast, a little bit of a long day, but, you know, getting into the heart of kind of the college season. So I, this is a little bit earlier than I expected to be back on your podcast, but uh, I'm o- always welcome. I'm, I'm always down for this. I will probably beg you to come on again later uh, without without question, <laughs> but uh, it's kind of funny. I, I had it on my agenda to ask you to come on the show fairly soon, um, and then the Hawks lost 10 games in a row, and people started asking me when I was going to start draft coverage. So it's one of those things where it's kind of a self, self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> I had it on my mind to start draft stuff fairly soon, but uh, it's I think I think the interest level uh, suddenly rose for some reason. I wonder why that is. Um Actually, though, before I'm going to save draft for a few minutes from now. I, I'm going to touch on some news with you on the podcast, which I normally don't do with people. Um, but something that I, I tweeted about a little bit today, there was a good interview that Travis Schlank did with Chris Kirshner of The Athletic on Thursday. I would encourage, encourage people definitely to read that over there. Um, but the thing that I wanted to ask you about is something I observed that was kind of interesting. Schlank um, was asked by Chris, um, on the record, of course, about kind of the projections for the team this season. And Schlank gave an exact number. Um, he said they projected um, the team internally to win, and I'm quoting now, around 30 or 31 wins, end quote. And that was before the injuries and the suspension of John Collins. So I'll say this for myself. I was not surprised by the numbers that he projected. That's a kind of what I would expect projections to look like. That's, a lot, that's what a lot of the public projections looked like, look like as well. I was more surprised that he actually said that um, in early December of a season. Not that it's crazy to say, but it's just not something that you see GMs often do. So you're, you're not in Atlanta. I know you follow the Hawks closely. What do you make? Like, I know you didn't see this either. I'm, I'm telling you this on, off the cuff, but what do you make <laughs> of that whole setup I just gave you? Because it's just kind of weird that he said it out loud, even though I think it's kind of awesome that he did. I don't know. It's weird. I guess I'm always surprised when executives divulge information that they don't have to. <laughs> yes. So something very direct in this fashion, like there was no, I guess you say maybe there was some incentive to manage people's expectations. Like, oh, this is expected, kind of like another bump on the road. Like we're looking long term a little bit, but he didn't have to say a direct number. He didn't have to divulge that. So again, you, you get a lot of deflections and when you have executives that they don't want to answer too many questions, especially overly specifically. So I guess that's my reaction I'm just a little surprised that he went into that kind of detail. Yeah, me too. Uh, and again, it's not that big of a deal. And I definitely agree with you about the expectations management part of this, because that that's, that's the one thing that you can sort of explain as to why he might say that. It's like, look, we're off to a rough start, but we kind of saw this coming kind of thing. Um, but it's it's interesting. So I wanted to use that as a bridge to start talking about the Hawks a little bit. We're going to spend most of the time on the draft, but I know you're a Hawks observer. Uh, I'm going to keep it broad here. Um what do you make of the Hawks so far? Has anything stood out to you? I'm not going to ask you to like go down the roster, but um, obviously Trey's been awesome. But what have you made of the Hawks so far? Trey's been awesome. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, stuff. I've watched a lot of the games this year. I haven't watched every minute of every game. Unfortunately, I've seen some of the blowouts, like Houston, the Clippers. Oh, the Houston game. I- that was that was a that was a rough one. 
it was not great. I, yeah. I think that's the best way to describe it. But uh, I, I think, again, you have to consider context. And I know Bill Simmons tweeted that thing about, uh, you know, the Hawks record <laughs> and, and whatnot, like, and they lost by 12. There's just no context in a lot of analysis anymore. And it, it's not like Trey's fault. Like, even if Trey was a league average defender at his position, it wouldn't matter on this team right now. They just don't have the infrastructure. I mean, they're starting Damian Jones and like Jabari Parker at the four five. Like it's just not tenable defensively in the modern game. It, they a lot of their depth is just not there. They have they're starting guys who are more like fringe rotation players because they they don't have their second and third best player. It's just you you can watch five minutes of the Hawks this year and understand that they just don't have the horses right now. And and that's just the unfortunate truth. And you know tr- what Trey's been doing. It's not just I don't think it's just empty numbers. I think he's legitimately at least trying to carry and floor raise an offense that just doesn't have the personnel right now. So I've, I've been impressed with that. I don't think it's an, again, an empty calories thing, but you have to manage expectations and say like, you're not going to win games in the NBA with this roster right now. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I'd be the first person to point it out if I thought Trey was like just compiling, but Right now, he has a 60% true shooting for the season. It's not like he's going out there and shooting 30 times a game and being this low-efficiency, high-volume guy. Like, it's high-volume because he has to be, but Trey's been super efficient, so I don't know what anybody wants him to do. Um, But yeah, I I totally agree with you. I mean, Collins won't fix everything. He'll definitely help. And by the way, I've said this a lot, but I'll say it again now. The schedule has been so brutal. Like, they have played the hardest schedule in the league. So when when you throw that... When you throw that into the mix as well, with being down two of their best players um, and the overall lack of talent level already on the roster for right now today, you know the talent for the future is better than the talent for right now because rookies are not usually very good at basketball. So all that to say, I'm not surprised by much of what we've seen other than, honestly, Trey's been much better than I thought he was going to be. So uh, I guess that's the most important thing is that your best player, your face of the franchise has been awesome. That's more important than probably anything else that we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, again, the Hawks were never a win-now team. I think that they got a little bit too much hype in the preseason as far as this could be a potential playoff team. And I never saw that personally. Not yet. I thought they were a year away. Maybe if they add, like again, someone like an Andre Drummond potentially in free agency this year, they can take that leap. But I don't think they had the infrastructure yet to do that. If they did, it'd be more of a situation where some of the lower-tier teams in the East had injury some, – some injury happenings occurred, and the Hawks would vault up. It wouldn't be by nature of the Hawks taking that next step. They just don't have enough quality NBA rotation players or starters right now. Like Collins is definitely that. I think Collins actually started off the year pretty impressively. He was a little bit better on defense than last year. Again, I just I want to see more context in some of the analysis. Like with Trey, again, the defense, I actually thought, I'm curious in your opinion on this. I thought Trey was better defensively in the preseason and to start this regular season than he was at any point last season. I felt like over the last maybe 10 games or so, due to the usage burden in part, he's kind of declined on that end. Are you seeing the same thing or am I off base here? No, I totally agree. Uh, And I was kind of not going out of my way, but certainly making it a point to reference the fact that Trey was better um, in the preseason and and also the regular season to start things off. And, you know, with the kind of workload that he's carrying, I have a hard time piling on too much. You know, the defense is bad, and that's not breaking news. And the defense is bad with, with him on the court. It's not only him, by the way. As you said earlier, they're not, they don't really have parts to play good defense. But he is a problem defensively. But it's not like you can be too upset about that when he's carrying one of the biggest loads in the league offensively at the moment. They just have nobody else to really help him. So, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's backslid a little bit. I'll be interested to see if it looks better again, you know, in 
you know, two months from now when I, uh, when I assume they'll be playing better and also playing against easier competition, like whether he ramps it up a little bit more defensively, because I have a feeling, and I know from Lloyd Pierce before the season, they were going to have more pressure on him defensively. Um, Lloyd was pretty candid about that a couple different times. Like they were going to keep him accountable more often. I wonder if they've sort of peddled off a little bit right now, just knowing that you can't ask him to do everything on both ends. So I mean, it's 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 kind of tough to talk about because he is really bad right now defensively, but I also understand <laughs> it fully because if you combine with his lack of tools with maybe a little bit less effort defensively, like he's probably back to where he was last year. Like I, you could sit there and bang on the table to say, you know, he's got to try on defense, but I also get it because he has like a 35% usage rate and he has to do everything on offense. So it's, it's kind of tough. Yeah, and even, again, if he was league average defensively right now, he's not moving the needle for this team defensively. <laughs> it's not like a, a point guard, especially. I mean, point guard defense is already kind of overrated anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it would really help, but they would not be a good defense because Trey Young is better on defense. That would not fix everything by any means. Yeah, I don't even know if it really would help that much right it now with this, current, <laughs> with this current personnel. Like, yeah. it's like a red carpet to the rim with, with these rim, rim protectors, like defensive rebounding. I mean, you obviously know all the issues. I don't need to relitigate. No, but everything. you're right. 100%. It, it's just... It's really tough. And I think, again, this is comes down to managing expectations like Cam Reddish has not been good this year and he shouldn't have been expected to. He's a rookie. He's a guy who really needs to get acclimated offensively. It was just great to see him have a good game last night. Like that was the, my takeaway is just that's what I'd be looking for as a Hawks fan and say, just get this guy some damn confidence and see if we can build off something. And that's more important to me in establishing that mentality long term and seeing growth in your young players than what's going to resonate on the scoreboard. I was I was on a Phoenix Suns podcast over the summer. And I said the same thing to them, and they've been much better because they acquired you know quality rotation, starting level talent, and like Aaron Baines and Ricky Rubio, who has made a big difference. The Hawks don't have enough of those veteran kind of guys, and, and you want to gauge progress. You want to gauge that more by what you see on the floor. You want to see like Trey took that next step, acquired more usage, and was really efficient. He's been shooting much better from three. I think that stuff is more important for Hawks fans to really put stock into than you know. Immediate gratification win loss. Oh yeah, I totally agree. I'm glad you mentioned Cam. That was the last thing I was going to ask you about the Hawks specifically. It's just what you make of Cam and DeAndre. You know, reddish. You know, the numbers are what they are. But it was really encouraging to see him play well last night. I think it's become pretty clear to me that his confidence really matters. Like when he plays with confidence, he just is a different guy. And it's not going to fix. It's not going to fix everything. But it's certainly important to the way he plays offensively. And Lloyd Pierce. I think kind of went out of his way last night. It was it was an easy night to do it because he was so good. But Lloyd, you could hear it in his voice. I, I played the audio on the podcast yesterday. Like he was just kind of glowing about the way that Cam played and the way that he was confident and assertive. And that's a huge thing for him. Um, what, what do you? I mean, we talked about Cam a second ago, but what, what do you make of DeAndre Hunter? I know that you know obviously that was a big topic of conversation between the two of us and Sam and other people um, around the draft. It's a small sample, but what have you seen from him so far? He's basically been exactly what I expected, frankly. I think he's a really solid player. I don't think he moves the needle in any one capacity. Like, he shot pretty well from three, not a dynamic shooter. We know about elongated release. He's not dynamic, going to come off motion, knock down shots that way. He does get shots contested because it takes him a little bit longer to get into that process. But he's capable catch-and-shoot guy. I thought he's shown a little more QE as a playmaker. He may, He can make some simple reads. He's a pretty intelligent player. He just doesn't really have the skill level or advanced anticipation to unlock it all. Some of the straight line drives have been a little bit promising, but he's not a very flexible athlete. You can't really see him like adjust in midair at the rim. Like he does struggle at times to like finish through contact and like around bigger bodies. He had, he does have the length extension, but he doesn't have that kind of, I, I guess, natural craft and like bend in his body. He's just a little bit rigid. I, I would describe him as so I, I wish he was a little bit more dynamic as a slasher, but defensively, been solid 
again, not moving the needle, not a high-level team defender, but okay, especially for a rookie. And then he can switch across multiple, multiple positions, but not really a wing stopper. He's more of a guy that you say, we actually have a big wing guy who can credibly defend these bigger wings on a night-to-night basis, but not going to move the needle. And that was always my thing with DeAndre. Is I thought he was going to be really solid. I don't think he's a difference maker really in any way, at least yet. And I don't know what avenue that's going to come in. I don't know what your opinion is on that as far as where do you see any kind of difference-making ability with him. Yeah, I mean, that was pretty much the evaluation, and I tend to agree. He's been kind of what I thought he was going to be. I was a little bit higher, if I remember right, than you were in the draft on Hunter, but a lot of that's just was the class. I didn't love most of the class. I know you didn't either. It was just yeah. a situation where it kind of depends on what you value because I, I really do end up valuing those kind of solid across-the-board guys, uh, especially on, at, at that position more than most people do like and I, I like his defense quite a bit but you know I was skeptical of his offense and I think we've kind of seen that I, I, honestly I think he's been a little bit better offensively than I would have imagined so far um the shooting's been fine I think it's 36 percent from, from three that's about what you would expect maybe even a little bit better the two-point shooting has not been good I think it's 42 percent from two right now it's a pretty small sample he's only taking like six a game but it's uh you know, a mixed bag, we should say. He's not good going to his left. There's lots of little things that I would pick apart about Hunter. Yep. But, you know, as a rookie, I think he's probably more conducive to winning than most rookies are because he doesn't take that much off the table, but he also doesn't move the needle, like you said. So it's a mixed bag, but also kind of what we, I think most people that watched him and had realistic expectations for him, this is kind of what you thought you'd see as a rookie. So I'm, I'm okay for now. We'll see if, it, you know, a year from now, if he hasn't made tangible improvement, you have to reset that. But, um, I'm not going to mention who it was, but there, there was a piece today that was like really sweeping uh, and talked about a lot of the, a lot of the class in a lot of like very specific and sweeping manner, like the season was over and it was like this, we, we've seen 20 games and you're evaluating <laughs> the whole class. It was just kind of bizarre. Uh, my general take on guys after 20 games is TBD for the most part, always. So I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, I mean, you could always observe, and I, I think that when you draw like absolute conclusions after twenty games, that's a, a dangerous way to go about yeah. this. But I think, like again, I, I can't. I mean, DeAndre's been as expected. I think Cam's probably been as expected for the people that actually really watched him at Duke and not just like the highlight reels and you <laughs> saw setbacks. Uh, like, you uh, know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a very good point. It's funny. I think people have a hard time reconciling this, but. I had Cam like fairly high and I thought the Hawks, I thought it was a good pick for the Hawks at 10. And I also thought at the same time that he was going to be bad as a rookie and both are still the case. Like I still like Cam and I knew this was going to be bad. Like it's, it's okay that a rookie could come in and be bad because he was always a project. So we talked about it a lot. I know people that observed the draft actually closely and paid attention kind of knew what was going to happen here. You know, top 10 guys don't get that benefit of the doubt usually in terms of expectations kind of holding on. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it was possible, in fact, I, I did it, to like Cam Reddish and also believe that he was going to take a while. And that's where we are. And that's exactly how I thought. I mean, I had Cam Reddish 8 on my board. I like the pick at 10. And I, I think it's going to be a process. But there's enough to build. I, I think there's more there. Obviously, there's more there than there is right now as far as what he's displayed. But I... I Again, like he's not going to shoot this poorly. I, I do believe in the catch and shoot long term. I do believe in the situational ball handling. Um, he has made some impressive reads at times, and he he's, he does flash things. That's the thing with Cam is like he'll flash a step back. He'll flash like yesterday. He had a couple nice finishes. It's about consistency, and I think a lot of that's tied to his mentality. But again, we're not dealing with a high level athlete. I hate to keep bringing this up and relitigating <laughs> the point, but this is not Tracy McGrady. It's Once not. you start seeing it that way, then I think you'll appreciate. The Cam can be a solid player in the NBA, and I think that you know when it comes for him, 
and you get the entire team back in full force, when you have Herder's kind of secondary creation, when you have Collins, and, and Cam can kind of not be stressed out so much at times. He can kind of just fill a role. Hopefully he can just knock down shots, because I do believe in the defense. This is not a, a, a stupid player, just to be blunt. Like, I think Cam does have good off-ball defensive instincts. That's why I honestly liked him so much as a prospect. It was more about his defense than his offense. Uh, I just thought he would shoot in time, and I think that's really all he has to do is shoot and occasionally finish and make some passing reads, and then I think he's going to be a solid NBA player, but this is not the kind of draft where you're getting like a super high upside. Like, yes, I did like certain other players on the board when the Hawks picked. We talked about that at nauseum pre and post draft. Not going to go back into that. I, I just think people have to be a little bit more patient with Cam, even though I do understand the negative uh, feedback towards him thus far. He hasn't been good. I don't think you can make a case that he has been, but a little bit of patience is required because, again, he was never going to be like a year one plus. Yep. 100%. And uh, we could probably leave it there for now. Uh, all right, Cole, I'm going to get you uh, on, on the record with some NBA draft stuff in a second, but we will go to a quick break from our sponsors to come right back with more from Cole Swicker. All right, Cole, uh, let's transition to the draft a little bit. I know it's very early, um, but I've been listening to you and Sam on the Game Theory podcast. I know you're prepared for this. Um, we'll do a little bit of digging, but not not too, too much on the draft. I'm going to start broad. Um, what do you make of this class? Because you know, as usual, there's always the, this class stinks, this class is awesome, divide somewhere. <laughs> um, where do you kind of fall on that spectrum? I know it's very early, probably too early to talk about this, but I'm asking you anyway. Yeah, I think it's always important to put classes in, in context to one another. So I will say from the off, there's no Zion Williamson in this class. There's no Luka Doncic. There's no, I don't believe there's a Trey Young in this class, even though some people would make that argument. I actually put a poll out and <laughs> I asked, would you rather have Trey Young, the current form or the number one pick in this class? And almost 80% said Trey. And that's the direction I would go. Yeah, well. I, um, in, full, in, current, in current form, that, that almost has to be the answer, right? Because like he's he's pretty much proven to be a... I mean, maybe not like a super duper duper star proven already, but we kind of know he's a star already. So that's that's pretty easy, I think. I don't know. No, you're right. I, it just comes down to your perception of this class. Obviously. Yeah, I guess so. I was kind of getting like, like, what are your opinions on LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, you know, James Wiseman, Cole Anthony? I think when you look at what, what you're going to see from consensus thought, those are going to be the top four guys in some order, probably LaMelo and Anthony Edwards, one and two in some order, then James Wiseman, three and probably Cole Anthony, four. I, I don't know if those guys, again, these are not Zion, Luka, caliber or tiered prospects. We're looking at, you can argue they're like the second tier, which in the past for me has been guys like Jaron Jackson and Trey Young. I'm not sure yet if I would put Anthony Edwards and LaMelo, for example, in that tier. I think it's arguable, but we're more looking for, you know, that second, third tier guys. There's a, you know, four or five guys. I like Tyrese Maxey a lot, but he doesn't really move the needle as a high level prospect. And I think just overall, the the class we, we knew the returning class wasn't going to be very good. This is not a case like last year where you we knew guys like Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter, Nikhil Alexander Walker. This year we were kind of scraping the barrel, like okay, who's going to be the guy? There's obviously no Donovan Mitchell returning, and there nobody has really popped in that dynamic fashion. So we knew that, and I think a lot of the freshman class, which we can kind of get into um, over time here, has, has kind of you know, underachieved. They haven't reached expectations as far as the depth of the class too. So I wouldn't say it's an especially like crazy deep class, especially not in the lottery. I don't even think it's crazy deep as far as like into the second round and you don't have that one legit marquee player at the top. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Obviously I am, I am definitely not as far along as you are in terms of evaluating this class. So I'm definitely going to hold off on most of my opinions for now. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the feeling I'm getting to. And 
see the point about returning players you know i've seen a few big boards from people i trust or close to it and basically like there's no returning players in the top 20 ish on most boards that i've seen maybe top 15 if you want to get a little bit more there's just not a lot of guys who were coming back to college who were ranked as like definite lottery picks there's not really any i don't think maybe there's one but um yeah interesting to kind of start over again but it's kind of the nature of the draft at this point in time um here's a question for you that i've been getting a lot so i'm going to ask you now you know I'm on record, at least I was last year, in kind of saying the Hawks should take best available player that wasn't a point guard because they only had the one position that was definitely sewn up, and Trey Young is, of course, a one-position player, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you combine that with this year, and I've been hearing and I think observing that it's kind of a lead guard strong lottery this year. That's not a great spot to be in if you're the Hawks because uh, that's what you don't need is a lead guard right now. Um, do you feel that? I mean, is there, is there anybody that... I won't say you cross off, but is there anybody that's a top 10 prospect that you just think would not work with Trey Young at all that you can kind of cross off already? Because I was like Darius Garland was a cross off for me last year for the Hawks. I like Darius Garland, but you couldn't take him as the Hawks. Is there is there a guy like that in this class that you kind of, as a Hawks person, should just, I mean, you acknowledge that they're a good prospect, but just wouldn't be good in Atlanta? Yeah, I think you're right as far as the depth and the depth in the lottery. There's a lot of guards in this class. That's kind of where the inefficiency, I think, is going to be. Someone like Kyra Lewis from Alabama, returning guy, Grant Riller, uh, a senior. Those guys could go in the second round, and that might not be the case in, when you have less demand for lead guards. But to answer your question, I think in the lottery, around the picks that Atlanta could have, of course, through the Nets as well, I think Nico Mannion is probably the guy that suits that best. Like Probably Cole Anthony, in, in, for practical purposes, Like I'm not sure if Travis like takes Cole Anthony considering this guy has always dominated the ball he's always been the lead guard is he going to want to play off Trey because he's going to but if you're if Atlanta ends up at four I think that'd be a fascinating decision I think they would move the pick if that's the guy that everybody considers to be there but you can actually get around with with his with Cole's strength you can make an argument best player available you just take him I think Nico's the guy where you just can't make a formidable case of Trey and Nico existing defensively. It's just not going to happen. It's the same argument for Garland. It's probably the same argument for John Morant. Um, of course, there were shooting more shooting concerns there with Morant off the ball, potentially. But Nico's an awesome shooter. He's just, you can't make that argument defensively. Like From a team-building standpoint, you would have to move the pick or you would have to invest otherwise. But I will say, a lot of these guards are capable, I think, of playing next to Trey. Like, you are sacrificing some size. But like Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, I think those guys can actually play next to Trey. And of course, Anthony Edwards can as well. Yeah, and that's... I'm always on record as, like, I'm a big best player available guy with few exceptions. So if a guy can play with Young, you have to build in a little bit of the fit at that level. Like, I'm not a fit guy, but in the top five, six, seven, when when Trey Young is by far your best player, you have to think about fit to some extent. But as long as there's a possible way that it can work, like LaMelo is a good case too. Like, LaMelo has good size. The defense has not been good that I've seen, but and also the shooting's kind of a question, so I, I would not argue those guys are great fits together right now, but... It's at least theoretically possible given LaMelo's, you know, vision and Trey shooting and LaMelo's size, et cetera. I mean, um, it's too early for this in a lot of ways, but I just want to get out in front of that because I've, I've probably been guilty of, at least in my mind, saying, you know, this is not the greatest lineup for the Hawks um, outside of maybe Edwards and Wiseman at the top because a lot of these guys, I think, are better as lead guards and the Hawks just have a lead guard already. So it's weird. It's too early to get caught up on that, but I've, it's been in my head, so I wanted to pass it along. No, and I think that's spot on, and I agree with you on Lamelo. Like, if Lamelo falls to three and the Hawks are at three, I would take him. I I would take best talent available in certain cases when the upside is that 
what I consider to be realizable. It's not just far-fetched. I, I think that LaMelo can improve in, in many aspects. He's a very complex prospect. I don't know if there's ever been, since I've been doing this, so many moving parts in somebody's game, with there also being that upside that exists. But I think philosophically we're on the same page as far as I'm not going to be married to fit. I, I think there are certain cases where I'm just taking the best player. I just think you can make a case like Nico Mannion doesn't have the same kind of upside. So on that team... I don't really love the fit. I don't think you're optimizing really either player there. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, let's spend a second on LaMelo just because he's obviously very popular and people want to know about him. We talked about sort of around it a little bit there, but like, what do you make of him as an overall prospect right now? Because people aren't going to be able, well, non diehards are not going to watch LaMelo. They're going to see highlights and stuff. Uh, no, we're going to watch him and there, there are ways to watch him, but it's not like he's going to be available on American television regularly or, or if at all. So, um, tell people what they can actually expect from LaMelo because obviously he's been famous for a long time, but he um, may be polarizing in terms of the off-court and the, the whole family thing, but LaMelo is an awesome prospect, so uh, he's worth talking about for sure. Yeah, say first of all, if you haven't watched an NBL game, please do that. I mean, they like shoot smoke out of the basket. The atmosphere is incredible. Like, I, It's been the most fun I've I've had watching prospects this year. So I think they have it on like their Twitch. So you can, if you go to their Twitter account, you can, you can follow games. They're at really weird times. Like they'll be at like 1130 at night for me, sometimes two 30 in the morning. Uh, so that's really early, like middle of the night for Hawks fans <laughs> on the yeah. East coast. So probably not going to watch it live, but just if you want to, as it, as it pertains to mellow. Yeah. I mean, he's just ultra talented, man. He's such a, the first thing I think about it, he's just such a natural basketball player. Like if you watch his interview, like the play breakdowns that Mike Schmitz is doing now, which by the way, are the best, draft content we've ever had publicly i tweeted that earlier they're so good yeah i agree they're great this is all i've ever wanted like honestly like the nfl does this stuff and the nba has never done it or at least the draft process so if you watch that you you realize how natural the game comes to him like mike asked him to like break down certain plays like what are your reads here and he's just like i did it like he just instinctually he does things that most 18 year olds almost every 18 year old i've ever seen doesn't do i'm not sure if he's like processing the game like luca or trey where they go through progressive reads like that but just all the bevy of moves he has and how he kind of flows together as far as his instincts he's just a natural basketball player his handles elite as far as his control he he can keep it tight in traffic it does get a little high at times so people think it's some people think it's not like crazy in control but it usually always is like his dribble moves are outstanding for his age he can get to spots uh his passing i mean there's his touch is incredible on passes he makes some passes i think it was max carlin on twitter that that posted this to me as far as like have you seen the movie wanted how to kind of bend bullets uh that's what mellow <laughs> does with the ball it's like he just he makes some ridiculous passes like stuff that's on like luca trey level as far as touch goes so that'll pop to you immediately and just the reads he makes he'll make some cross-court skips that just other people don't anticipate they don't see he has that it factor there and you just don't find that dribbling passing iq natural instincts package in a you know six seven player it's just very rare yeah, and I'm definitely a sucker for great passers and guys with great vision. So that makes me uh, definitely drawn to him. I mean, him and Lonzo are not the same player by any means, but some of the stuff that you like about Lonzo, Lamelo also has, um, and that's interesting. Like he's he's got the stuff that Lonzo has also, but is definitely a much higher ceiling player offensively. You know, Lonzo's defense was better for sure at um, at earlier levels, but. I don't know. I, I like Lamelo a lot. It's it's funny. I wanted to talk about it for sure because in my mention so far, and we can transition a little bit here, the two guys I get asked about the most by far are Anthony Edwards and James Wiseman. Uh, Edwards is, of course, a, a playing at Georgia, so that's probably at least part of it. Other, also, he's an awesome prospect. And then Wiseman 
is a center, and the Hawks don't have a center of the, of the future right now unless you're just absolutely in love with Bruno Fernando, which I am not. He's he's a fine prospect, but not 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 at this level. So, um, I guess the easiest way to do this is just go one by one. Uh, we can start with Edwards. Uh, he obviously had the huge second half that everyone noticed uh, over the Thanksgiving break. But what do you what do you make of Anthony Edwards? He's more of a power guy. Like he's not necessarily. Um, the same like lead guard, in my opinion, that some of these guys are. He's more of a, I mean, he can't play on the ball, but certainly more of a power combo. I don't know. I'm not even sure how to describe Anthony Edwards, so you probably do a better <laughs> job than I would. I think the thing with Edwards is the shot making ability yep. at his size. Like this, at 6'5, like he can shoot off the dribble. That's what his primary plus skill has been thus far. I don't even know if he knows exactly what he's doing. Like he's kind of yamming the crossover button at times. That's what Lamella does too, by the way, you'll see him just crossing guys over without any kind of real purpose <laughs> sometimes. And I think I see it, Edwards does that too. He can just get his shot. at will. You can't stop him. He's too sudden getting into his shot. And that's kind of his allure is like as this score, like I don't want to give a direct comparison, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Zach Levine offensively. And he, I don't think he's even as good of a one foot leaper. Levine's just an insane athlete. He's like a 99th percentile athlete. And that's going to turn a lot of people off. But I, Edwards is way better defensively as far as switching. Like when he's engaged, you can't get around him. Like he, his athleticism is ridiculous. And, and like some of the, how he can contort his body at times. Like if he if you see his shin angles and how he like changes directions, he can like drop almost all the way to the floor. So I think his primary input is going to be scoring. It's going to be shooting. I think he's an underrated shooter, honestly. Like, he he didn't come in with, like, this dynamic shooting reputation. I don't know if he's an elite shooter, but I think he's a very good one with elite potential. A lot of people are going to compare him to Donovan Mitchell as kind of that power guard. Uh, he's more explosive than Mitchell is off one foot. He's bigger. I think he's a – they're pretty comparable probably as shooters, actually. Um, not your primary lead guard, though. And, of course, Hawks fans will care about as much about that as Trey. Edwards is easily capable of scoring, though. He can play off the ball. He can space. He can play on the ball. He can run some pick and roll. We haven't really seen advanced reads from him. He's really, really young. Like him and LaMelo are a year and three months younger than Cole Anthony. And that's something mm. you have to really take account for in this class, just because these guys are just learning kind of how to play structured basketball. And that was the thing with Anthony at lower levels. It was like he's never played winning basketball. That happens for a lot of prospects. But it's more like he's never played structured basketball. And I think... That's why I'm going to watch every game of his this year, just to see the progression, see the feel. He's this draw two guy, though. He's not like a guy who has to have like dynamic passing anticipation. He's the guy that's going to get past his guy if he ever decides to drive the ball to the rim, which has been a rare occurrence. He, he just literally settles for pull-ups. I don't know if you like Kevin Porter, who just did step backs like every single time. Anthony Edwards is a little bit like that, where he's just looking for that He's looking for that pull up, even from NBA range. When you really just want to see him wired like Shea, where if he sees a, an alley to attack, if he sees a driving lane, just go because he can draw two guys every single time. Like there, there's nobody in college basketball that should that should be able to guard him outside of maybe like Isaac Okoro. Yeah, I mean, for someone who's that kind of power athlete, you don't want to see a bunch of pull ups. I mean, it's it's good to have it, and he's gonna need it. But yeah, I agree. I mean, I have not seen him as much as you have, obviously, but I have had that feeling like just go to the rim a few different times with him. And I guess that is backed up by uh, the larger sample, too. I mean, he's fun. I, I agree in my limited sample. Like he doesn't strike me as this like savant of a guy who sees the floor, but that's OK. Like he is he is he six five or so? That sounds right. Yeah, to he's me. listed it. I think six five, six five and a half around about. I don't know his length. Maybe six nine, six ten, and he's two twenty five. Like he's yeah. Huge. I was gonna say he he's a, he seems to be pretty darn strong and as athletic as he is. Like it's okay, but he's not going to be this preternatural passing vision guy. Um, because I, I I've liked him as 
you know, I mean, if, if you're trying to draft him as a point guard, I, I don't really see that. So in Atlanta, I think that's part of the appeal in Atlanta, particularly for Hawks fans, is that, you know, he doesn't need to be the guy who has the ball all the time. I don't know. I like him a lot. I am, I'm TBD on all these guys, on all these guys but uh, I do, I do like what I have seen so far. And obviously that, that second half was uh, kind of unbelievable. <laughs> if you just watched it in real time, that's one of those things where I uh, was actually off work and able to watch live college basketball in the afternoon. It's like, oh, Anthony Edwards is just going absolutely insane right now. Turn the channel. And uh, I got to watch like, like, like the last 16 minutes of that game. If you missed that one, uh, it's probably readily available. It, it was quite a show. Yeah, it was that one was entertaining because I actually paused the game. I said this on Bassini's podcast at like 14 minutes left in the second half because I had a call and he didn't do anything to that point. And I came back an hour later and I got like a bunch of texts and all the Twitter blew up. And I was like, literally, what the hell happened? Watch the game. And I was like, this is literally unreal. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a prospect with in this concentrated time had this kind of shot making display. It was just unbelievable. Uh, you, you just don't see that from 18 year olds that often. And we can't take that for granted. Again, I, I do think there's some weaknesses there. He isn't as strong with the ball as you'd think for somebody his size. Like, it's not like he's just getting to the rim and like exploding through contact every time. He has some nimbleness. He's he's a special athlete, I think, but he's got to be stronger with the ball. He's got to finish better. And there are some concerns. It's not like he's this surefire guy who's going to come in and be like this star, but he's one of the only guys in this class. I have Lamella one right now and Anthony Edwards very close to they're like one A and one B. Those two are the guys I see with the highest upside. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, particularly with where the game is going. And I'm sure we'll talk more about him <laughs> in the future. Uh, the other guys, Wiseman, I don't want to go too deep on all these guys just yet, but Wiseman's not playing right now, which makes it a little bit more interesting and also more difficult. Uh, but also there's the whole center conversation, which is going to dominate, I, I think, for a lot of different people. Like, what is the value of a center? We'll have to do that whole thing again because he's a consensus top five prospect and center is a weird thing. So what do you make of him? Because uh, obviously Hawks fans want a center of any kind or shape at the moment uh he fits that bill but uh is he someone that you would draft that high because you kind of have to be a special player to be a center in the top three of a draft right now yeah no i I don't think he's that special frankly like a lot of his high school tape is honestly bad like I, i watched him against some high profile high school teams and usually i like to gauge prospects at that level drop yourself into that environment for five minutes and and just think why is this guy consider in consideration for the number one pick like with Cade cunningham you can tell in five seconds with ben simmons you could tell in like a minute and carl towns all those guys and with wiseman you were just kind of left there being like okay i get the tools i get the fluidity as far as his ability to run the floor but why is this guy in consideration for the number one pick? And for a big, again, I think you have to knock some of those guys down based on positional value, all of that. So personally, right now, I'm just more wait and see. At least we get to see him again starting January 10th or 12th, I believe it is. Like, I just want more of a sample to see what exactly he is. I went down to actually to Portland for the PK tournament and saw him. I can't remember who they played. Who did they? Oh, Oregon. So they played Oregon. That, that was the last game he played, I believe. And I saw him in person, like a couple rows up, and he wasn't that impressive, honestly. Like that game, he he struggled more against better competition. The first two games were an absolute joke. Like, don't watch those games. You watch two <laughs> seconds, and he like I think the second play of the first game, he got like a wide open tip dunk, and like there was a bunch of six two guys around him who didn't even try to box him out. So you got to contextualize what you're seeing as well. But for me, what you're here, here's the whole thing with Wiseman. If you're drafting him that high, you're saying he's going to be an elite interior 
interior rim protector. He's going to be one of those regular season guys who just makes you have an elite defense because he can protect the rim, kind of like a Gobert or like an Embiid type. That's why you're drafting him, and he can play post-defense on those guys. What people don't understand is he's not good offensively. Like, there isn't an offensive skill that he has in, in his repertoire right now. He's more like a Bamba where you're hoping maybe for some stretch appeal. And by the time the draft rolled around, Bomba's mechanics were more smoothed out working with Hanlon. I actually trusted his shot a lot more. Wiseman kind of brings it over his head. He doesn't have the kind of mechanics that usually project is positive for a big man shooter. He's not like this dynamic rim attacker either. Like with Trey, it's not like he's going to go up and get like alley-oops. He can do that because he has long arms, but if you chip him, He's pretty strong, but if you chip him, he's not like the most explosive athlete off the ground either. He's not a great shooter. A lot of his lower level tape is taking like step back jumpers. I think in interviews, he said that like who he compared himself to is like Giannis and Durant, which is like kind of a problem. Like you don't, we want him to say more like Gobert or someone that's like, you know, that has that approach. So we, I'm just more in wait and see mode. We got to see what he looks like with the bigger sample. Does he chase blocks? Like how instinctive is he as an interior rim protector? What is his motor? All of those questions are to the point where I'm a little dissuaded taking him in the top three, and I would not take him you know, over LaMelo Ball or Anthony Edwards based on positional value. I just think that'd be a mistake. Yeah, the positional thing is real. I mean, and I've, you know, my general stance is you better be really, really good, and particularly defensively. Like, I'm trying to think of a, of a play. I mean, you have to be Carl, you have to be Carl Anthony Towns good offensively to not be a dominant defensive center and, and actually have that kind of value. And basically, no one ever has been Carl Anthony Towns offensively. Like, he's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so the offensive stuff, in what I've seen, I agree. He does not blow you away offensively in any way. I think he thinks he's a perimeter player too sometimes. He likes to, at least in high school, the couple times I saw him, um, he, I, I think he sort of fancies himself as a guy who can be like, I don't even know what, what the comparison would be, but can handle the ball and like do stuff. And that's not what he's going to be. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I don't really see that. And I think he's just one of those guys that thinks he's better than he is on the perimeter. But as long as he is okay offensively, it's fine if he's an elite defender, but that's what you got to believe. And, and watching him, he better be an elite defender. That's kind of where I am with it. Like, cause offensively, I think he'll be fine in what I've seen, but fine on offense as a center, you got to be elite on, on defense, or it's, it's or it's not worth that kind of investment. The Mo Bamba reference just now scared me to death. By the way, you just did a good job of scaring me. <laughs> I figured it would. I, I again, James Wise was much more established as far as frame. Like he's like a legit two forty, and that's something Bamba has always struggled with is adding that weight. I will say with Wiseman, he doesn't move on the perimeter as well as his reputation suggests, and this is kind of the mistake that a lot of people made with Bamba, who also isn't great in space. Like Wiseman struggled with hedges from what we've seen, even from lower level competition, like staying in front of guards. He doesn't turn that well and accelerate. We saw that against Cole Anthony in high school as well. He just can't close. He's not like a, a, a dynamic, you know, pop leaper off the ground. He's not very quick off the ground. He's more of a load leaper type. I, th I think he can be a real problem as a drop guy for sure. Like I think his length, he's very hard to finish over. But I think as far as multi-positional, multi, I shouldn't say multi-positional, multi, as far as versatility, getting out and guarding the floor, switching, I don't think those are things that are in his wheelhouse right now. If he could do that and I was more sold on his defensive instincts overall as like a help defender, I would be higher on him. I would see maybe the player that some do. I'm just not convinced on the interior defense and I, I'm pretty skeptical of the perimeter defense. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see more of him. Honestly, um, I'm, I wish he was playing. That's one of those NCAA things that will drive you that will drive you crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously going to be. He's a consensus top five guy. Most people have him up there, and like like you have alluded to, and I have too. Like people are split. There's people that have him as like an unquestioned number one, and then there's people like you are a little bit lower. Do you have him three, or is it is that even too high? Or do you have him lower than that? 
Right now, I have Cole Anthony three, Tyrese Maxey four, and then you could convince me on a great many things. <laughs> and I kind of go into what I like to do is like identifying who I pick in certain ranges. That's right. kind of how I like to approach the draft at times. And Wiseman, I would not take in the top three. I might take him five, honestly, if I was there. And like, there's not a lot of upside in that area other than him. So you might be able to talk me into that, even though I would probably just trade out or trade down. But I think for purposes of this discussion, I'm not enamored with taking James Wiseman in the top three based on what I've seen thus far. Yeah, I mean, and this is a fit thing and it doesn't really matter. And I think it can be overblown. I do think that you get into a weird zone when evaluating him against like Cole Anthony for the Hawks, if you were the Hawks, which is this is a Hawks podcast. That would be tough because you lose yes. some of Cole Anthony's appeal uh, on the Hawks. Um, and also, even if, so even, even if you thought that Anthony was a better prospect, if they made you sit there and choose, I don't think you could take Cole Anthony at like three on the Hawks. It'd just be kind of tough. So I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff that we'll get into far down the line. Um, you referenced Tyrese Maxey. I was going to ask you, like, is there a guy that can crash the top two? Is he that guy for you that's not always up there for everybody else? I don't know about top two because I don't see the same kind of upside for him. He's the guy I just feel best about drafting in like the five to 12 range. Like he'd be the guy for me in that range. And I don't really feel great about anybody else. I don't know if anybody's crashing the top two of LaMelo and Anthony Edwards at this point. Like, I, I don't know what Cole Anthony can do. I don't know what Wiseman can really do. I think that's just kind of set. The order isn't set. Like, I kind of go back and forth a little bit with those two. But Maxi, I just like in this class. Like, he's very he's, he's not there yet as far as putting it all together. But I do think he can be like a quality starter that impacts winning um, if it all comes together i just really like his character i like the intangibles and i like a lot of things he does on the floor that makes sense i like what i've seen as well from maxi and you kind of see people are split on him to some degree but he, he competes man i like the way that he he plays hard um i enjoy that about him um so obviously the hawks i think are going to win some games in the second half <laughs> to maybe get to where they were last year like maybe land somewhere in the mid lottery instead of the high lottery if they get unlucky we talked about the guys who are unquestionably probably going to go in the top four five six range is there another i mean you max i know you said maxi as your favorite guy between five and twelve is there another guy or two in that you know six to ten range that you are uh I guess predisposed to liking. I know. Oh, oh, there was one guy I wanted to ask you about specifically. I'll, I'll go ahead and do that now. What do you make of? Uh, is it is it Abdia? Is that how you say his name? I think it's Denny Abdia. Yes. What do you make of him? Because he is really polarizing from what I have seen. I've only I've only <laughs> I've only watched him play one time, so I am not an authority on him to this point. But uh, I people that I trust either love him or do not like him at all. Yeah, I, I'm in the middle on most extreme takes. Like with him, it's kind of the same. If you look at his shooting indicators, they're just horrendous. Like he's like a career, like 60% free throw shooter. He's never shot really well from three. His mechanics, I mean, he doesn't shoot like a bad ball mechanically. I think his release is a little bit segmented. But that, that's the key thing with him is like it's hard to make an upside case if he's not going to shoot the ball. He's a good athlete. He's not a great one. He can actually get pretty low, and like he's he's a fast player. He can his handles good. He's he's ran offense much better at lower levels. Like with Maccabi, he mostly plays a more select role off the ball. You don't see him doing a lot of initiating of the offense. He's capable of that, but is he a good enough shot maker? It's kind of like you can see the package and the foundation that he has, but if he can't shoot the ball, he can't unlock any of it really offensively at, to a high level. Like he can still be a secondary, tertiary playmaker and a ball handler, 
but most of those guys have to shoot at a high level to really be impactful. I will say his defense, he's a very good defender. Um, I don't know if he's like an elite, he's, he's not an elite NBA defender because he doesn't have that quick bounce. Like he, he's a good rim protector from the weak side. I don't think a lot of that's going to translate at least to a high level, but he's a very good team defender. And I think the Hawks have to start looking at those guys around Trey, guys who really understand when to rotate and have the speed to do that. And you can switch a couple positions. He competes really hard. He That's my favorite thing about his game is just the guy is his compete level is incredible. He's always playing really, really hard. And I think that matters a lot for a guy his age as well. Uh, the skill level we'll kind of see, but it's all really based on the shooting. Like if you think he can really shoot, he's a top five guy in this class to me. If you're more skeptical or you think he can't shoot at all, I don't even know if I'd have him in the lottery. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what I've heard as well. Again, I have much more to watch with him, but he's one of those guys that, you know, again, uh, non diehards are just never going to see. So I, I like to ask people that know what they're talking about, about those guys. Um, one more thing before I ask you about the Brooklyn pick briefly before we get out of here. Is there, you know, Wiseman, I think is the consensus top center. Is there another big in this class that you think is worthy of a top 10 pick right now? I don't know about top 10. I do have a guy I really like, and that's what I was kind of going to get into with the, the Brooklyn pick. But Onyeka Kongwu. Give, give it to me now. Go ahead. Give it to me. Yeah. Kongwu from uh, USC is the guy that I really like. He's my – I mean, I think he might be my favorite big. I, I'd probably take Wiseman ahead of him just based on, like, defensive upside and, like, starter and stuff like that. But as far as value in the draft, like, Kongwu right now is projected. I think ESPN had him going 30th, and I love that. I think that the issue with him and the issue with a lot of these guys are they're not like they're not positional size centers. They're not seven foot one, two forty with seven five wingspans. Uh, you know, there's guys that like Isaiah Stewart, Vernon Carey, Akongwa. I think is better than both of those guys. Um, he's six nine with like a seven one wingspan. He's the best athlete of all the bigs in the class. Like he's a better athlete than James Wiseman. He's faster. He's more explosive as a finisher. He's so quick off the ground. Kind of has not fully Brandon Clark qualities there, but he's pretty close as far as like his immediate ability just to get off the ground. You know, he can play that play finisher role. Great touch with either hand he's actually pretty skilled ridiculously coordinated for his size it's just really the problem is size he's a 6'9 guy doesn't have insane length he gets moved around a little bit he's listed at 245 and i watched this game against portland and he was getting moved around a little bit in the post i don't know if any team's going to trust him to start full time in, in the regular season against like valanchunas for example he's going to get moved in those situations but i think he might gain more value in the playoffs he's just one of those kind of he, he has the skill set of a five and i think that's what kind of hurts him a little bit if he was a little bit more skilled, maybe teams would play him at the four if he could handle and like really slash. Those are things that he has shown at lower levels, but hasn't shown yet this year. Again, I think he's a pretty good free throw shooter. I think he's close to like 80% on the season. Like he has really good touch mechanically from three. It's not quite there yet, but there's a really solid foundation. I really like him a lot. Yeah, and uh, he's a guy I haven't, I haven't seen a ton of either. I did, I did see Brian Schroeder tweeting about him quite a bit. I know he loves him. Um, in fact, there was a stat that I wrote down. I'm trying to find it right now. Oh yeah, he shot. Uh, he's shooting 75 percent at the rim so far this year. It's a small sample size, but uh, pretty dominant around the around the basket. I, th- I think he's only 18 too, which is helpful. He's younger yep. than a lot of these guys. So that's a name that I uh, I thought you might say, but I wasn't sure uh, how you felt about him because I hadn't seen it. So that's that's intriguing. Uh, you mentioned Stewart. Stewart's someone I get, that I get asked about a lot too because I think. And if you were trying to build a consensus board of what I've seen out there, he's usually usually the second center that I see. Are you not high on him? As I mean, for instance, like the Nets pick. If people don't know this, the Hawks probably are going to get the Nets pick somewhere in the mid teens. Is the projection there? Is he someone that that might be worthy of that pick? Because again, center is a spot that I get asked about all the time. 
Uh, I don't personally think so. I'm not as high on him. I'm going to go on Vecini's podcast tomorrow, and Vecini likes him more, so that's kind of like the running joke we have is he's going to like make his case for him. <laughs> so we'll kind of see how that goes. But like, as an athlete, I just don't think he's that explosive. Like He's not a great leaper. He's someone who's incredibly strong. Like He's stronger than Kongwu. He's longer. He has like a 7-4 wingspan, but he's not nearly the athlete. Run and jump as far as play finishing. I don't see a lot of – there's not really a lot of skill there, and you're still dealing with an undersized center. I've never been too enamored with his defense as far as like rotating he's not great flipping his hips on the perimeter like I don't really know what he does for the Hawks there as far as a long-term starting center prospects uh you know he can shoot a little bit he has touch but he hasn't really shown that consistently yet even though I think there's some untapped upside there but it's mostly about the athleticism I don't know he's not like a great lob catcher for example he's more of like a post-up guy you don't see you see a little bit of craft there but again you're not posting up Isaiah Stewart in Atlanta's offense unless it's like a very tertiary option you know what I mean like it's not going to happen you're going to run a lot more pick and roll guys diving to the rim popping from three I don't think he can really do either of those two things well so I'm just a little lower on it from that standpoint I I just I don't buy bigs that high who I don't trust defensively and don't have at least one like discernible offensive skill yeah uh, that does not sound like sound like a player that I would love either I can't wait to watch him and maybe that will confirm that opinion um I think the last thing I'm going to ask you for now anyway <laughs> is, um, I mean, Okongwu might be this guy for you, but is there a guy that you just, you think you are way higher on than everybody else is like that might be, you know, a mid first rounder that, that, you, that people think is a second rounder or something like that. Cause the Hawks don't have a second round pick right now in the draft. So it's a bit, it's a bit strange. I'm used to having to like cover basically the entire draft from a Hawks perspective. And this year it might just be it actually could be just one pick, which is insane, but probably going to be two top 15, top 16 picks and then nothing else. Is there a guy that you see as a potential mid first round pick that nobody else does or that very few people do? There was that guy that existed. I don't want to say nobody else because a lot of draft Twitter has been on this guy for a long time. But the the national consensus is caught up to him now. So oh. I think he was actually mocked at 15. And that's Isaac Okoro. Like, that's the guy that I felt the best about in that range, even more than a Kongwu based on positional value. A guy that's, to me, a real wing stopper. Um, you know, 6'6", 225 pounds, 6'10", wingspan. He's, I love the way he's wired. He, he's like a guy that just makes winning plays. He's really unselfish as a passer. Uh, he can switch. He can guard fours. He's a great team defender. That's a, that's like a combination you rarely see with bigger wings. Like he can guard small forwards. He can guard some fours physic- physicality-wise with his strength. The key with him is going to be the shot tremendous work in progress he kind of started the season as like this 10 toe shooter where he would shoot like without el- aligning his elbow without any kind of foot tilt and now he's kind of like jumping to the side at times like mo bomba in summer league two years ago or whatever so it's like there's a lot of mechanical issues you have to work out but he's a he has good touch like he's good at, he's a good slasher he's a, i think he'd be a good secondary playmaker at times for trey can play off you know herder types as well and i love that defensive upside at the wing but again i think mainstream is starting to catch up to him because he was mocked at 15 he could be available in that range and he would be the target and i'm sure a lot of hawks fans are familiar with him because he went to high school in, in you know in georgia so that that's a guy that i'm sure a lot of guys are familiar with but that would be my primary target even though the hawks did just take two wings and i know they're probably going to want to take you know a big just based on like roster need but i think that based on positional value i would favor him yeah i think okoro um has gotten out there a little bit but i I do i agree by the way i've seen him a few times he is fun i enjoy him um my personal and again this is much more like 
I've only seen him play a couple times and I might change my mind on him. I was going to ask you about as my last thing here, parting shot. Um, where are you on Scotty Lewis? Because I just love watching Scotty Lewis and offensively it's kind of a mess, but man, he just guards and I love that about him. Yeah, he's he's definitely fun to watch. Like not many guys can move like he can, like his closing speed, some of the recovery blocks that he has just there aren't many guys Wild. on the planet that can, that can do that. <laughs> yep. So like that from that standpoint you're like holy hell. Like you, you obviously see why a lot of people loved him in high school, but just the functional skill level, like the shooting, the decision making, he's almost always sped up offensively. I don't really trust his catch and shoot. No no shot off the off the dribble really at a high level, not going to shoot off motion. I don't love the decision making again. And it's just like, can he put it together? That's kind of the thing with him is I, I don't know if I love him. I, I definitely don't like him top 20 right now. I just don't think he is far enough along as far as his progression defensively. He's not crazy. He's not like a Coro sized. If he was that big, I would be a little bit more into him as far as frame, but he's more of like a guard defender instead of a big wing defender right now. In my opinion, he's a crazy athlete though. And, and some of it's functional, especially on defense. I can get that package. It's just, I, I, I'm skeptical that he can really put the entire thing together, but if he does and he like, in improves his handle, he improves his skill level, and starts the game starts to slow down for him. He obviously has the athleticism to to match being, you know, a, a very quality prospect. Yeah, that sounds like everything that I've seen so far. I, lo- <laughs> I, w- I wish I could just watch him play defense, because uh, I am, of course, uh, I'm a homer for defense. I enjoy defense, and he uh, is fun as heck on that end of the floor. All right, Cole, I'm going to let you get out of here, but uh, please tell people what you are doing these days. And we've, we've referred to the to the, uh, the infamous Sam Fazzini who's been on this podcast, and I enjoy listening to you guys chop it up about the draft um, on a regular basis. I know you're doing that, but anything else you got going on and uh, plug yourself, man. Yeah, I haven't written anything recently for the step in. We've had a couple articles out, uh, games to watch every week that Mike Ribbonoff does. So check that out if you want to get Shout into Mike. Hawks Mike, fans. Mike's great, by the way. <laughs> Mike's great. Like Mike Ross, those guys really fall lower levels and they're always, you know, talking about prospects and Mike Mike's column about games to watch with prospects is a must in my opinion to to follow along as a fan just because they'll outline the specific games mike will and you know it's just an easy place like a one-stop shop to really understand like who's playing who what you need to watch what timing there so i'll eventually write something again hopefully um, <laughs> but for now you can hear me on Vicini's game theory podcast again like tomorrow i think we are going over his big board he right. somehow ranked 100 a hundred players in this pro in this class. And I was like, that's a hell of an accomplishment. Um, so we're going to go through those and kind of, I'll ask him questions and he'll kind of break down. So you'll hear a little bit more about guys like Isaiah Stewart, um, who he's higher on than me. And we'll kind of just go, go back and forth with that. I have, uh, I've, I sort of put it on my calendar to beg Sam to come on when he finally gets to the Hawks on his rookie scale rankings, because that project is insane. Um, and I'll let him talk about it, but he's going to write like a hundred thousand, some, some insane amount of words <laughs> on all of these teams. And it's just insanity. But yeah, I can't imagine sitting down and ranking a hundred guys in this class right now. Um, so if you can't imagine, I know I can't imagine it. <laughs> it's just, that's a lot of work. So shouts to Sam. Um, well, thank you, Cole. I think we will, uh, I will definitely beg you to come on again when we get closer into the process. Uh, and I know it's very early, but uh, nobody that I would rather talk about this stuff with, uh, especially this early, because I know you're uh, you're schooled on this stuff and I am not. So I have to start digging in. It's, it's a good reminder when I talk to people that are smarter than me that I have to start watching tape and we're, we're getting there. I'm sorry you're already there at this point of the season, man. I'm like the bear of bad news. <laughs> Something it's it's, bad it's really charm, fine. <laughs> like, listen, I, I am on record. I said this today on Twitter. I'll say it again now. I think the Hawks still win like 29, 30 games. Like it, it isn't like they're going to just be a disaster. Like the schedule's going to let let up. John Collins is good when he comes back. They're going to still win 
games when they're when they're actually back at full strength. And honestly, we kind of all saw this coming with the schedule. Like I projected them at six and sixteen after twenty two games, and they're five and seventeen. So the world is not ending. It's going to be fine. Um, and if, I think when when Collins comes back, people will be like, "Oh yeah, the Hawks might be okay again. That'll be fun." So you have okay. to do the whole like Aaron Rodgers relax thing to the entire Hawks community. So good luck with that. I'll help I've you been out. trying to do it for like I don't know a week now, or maybe more than that. And uh, look, I'm I've already resigned to the fact that just like last year and the year before that, I will spend pretty much the entire duration of the podcast from like April 12th until June 22nd on the draft. I just go basically make this in a draft podcast. So I'm just starting early. It's fine. <laughs> I'm ha- happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you, Cole. I appreciate it, man. Uh, as for everybody else, we will uh, have a new podcast. I think the next one will be Sunday from Charlotte where I'm going to Hawks Hornets. Pray for me, everybody, as I drive to Charlotte to watch the Hawks and the Hornets play basketball. And uh, please subscribe to the show. Please tell a friend about the podcast and we will see everybody then.